Welcome to the Lab Rats Podcast. You are now entering the maze. All right, so this past weekend, I was down in the garage, uh, like breaking down some boxes, and I heard my neighbor turn on his vacuum cleaner. And it's not uncommon, like our my next door neighbor vacuums his van like twice a week. Okay. And so he's always vacuuming. So I go upstairs and I look out the window and I see the neighbor across the street is vacuuming his driveway. <laughs> like not his not his garage out in he's the driveway. Vacuuming his driveway. Was there like anything on it or like what? I could no, it didn't look like it. So I can see somebody <laughs> maybe vacuuming their their garage if like they use it as a workspace. He was clearly right. like out in the middle of his driveway. Wow. And just vacuuming like the same place over and <laughs> over and over again. And he was doing this for like 10 minutes. Jeez. And what, what makes this it? even weird is that <laughs> I never see this guy. He yeah. moved in over the summer. I know he lives there with his wife and I think his mom maybe. I see the okay. lights on, but I never see the garage door open. I never see him go in and out. Out of like I haven't seen him in weeks. All of a sudden he he pops out in sweatpants and starts vacuuming <laughs> his driveway. Wow. I guess that's what 2020 does to you. No, I know. Uh, and I and I even tried Googling. I'm like, why would somebody vacuum their driveway? It didn't I don't like, see look any, like there's anything there. Yeah, I, I get inside. The, like, I, va- I vacuum the inside of my garage because, like, the gym's in there. Right. And I, like, vacuum, like, the flooring um, that I work mm-hmm. out on occasionally. Yeah, what would what do you – I have no idea what you'd be doing, vacuuming out on the driveway. No, I know. And there are there, – it this was, like, an indoor vacuum cleaner. They do make – like gra or uh, outdoor vacuum cleaners that are like you know pick up I guess dirt and mm-hmm. leaves. This was clearly like an indoor vacuum cleaner. Wow, that's so, funny. Yeah, still, if anybody can explain to me why somebody would vacuum their driveway, please let me know because <laughs> I have not found an answer yet. All right, well, first episode of us together in 2021. Yeah, and we uh, we've got a few a few new and exciting things that we will be kicking off this year. Uh, this is our we're going to our second year of this of this podcast. Twenty twenty was our first full year of it, going into our second year. So uh, we've learned a lot, and we, we appreciate everybody who's listened along. And uh, yeah, a couple of new things that we want to do in twenty twenty one. One of those is, as you saw net last week, is is having more guests on the show. Our goal is to have like a one to two guests per month, ideally every other episode. Um, but with, you know, scheduling in 2021, it's a little challenging to book guests that frequently. So we're shooting for one to do two guests per month. So look out for that. Yeah, just to get some more expertise in here. And um, I think people enjoy hearing stories, anecdotes, and we only have so much of that. So the more that we can bring in, so to hear some interesting stories, we want to do that. So that's part of it. And then we're also going to try posting the video version of of these episodes on YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel. I mean, we've never really posted there. Kind of back when we started, we did. But I think we're going to try posting the full episodes there. So um, keep an eye out for that. We're also doing uh, monthly articles or I guess a blog post, you could call it. So these are going to be, we're going to cover topics. Um, Andy and I will rotate. So each month we will each write one individually. And we're going to cover a topic that has not been covered 
necessarily on the topic and our Instagram is something completely new that we will be writing up. And the first one, we'll, we'll release these at the end of every month. And these will be in our newsletter. So if you have not subscribed to our newsletter, head over to our website or Instagram bio and you can subscribe to our email list there. Labratspodcast.com. Labratspodcast.com. Uh, the first article I am in the midst of writing, finishing up here, and it is about uh, kind of off a topic that we talked about previously, but it's how to break your iPhone or break your phone addiction. I think this is one everybody needs right now. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yesterday was the chaos that ensued and I was glued to my phone. And I have a feeling that is going to be, again, a lot of this year, a lot of chaos, um, which you know, we kind of are stuck to our phone when that happens. And I, we, I'm, I'm addicted to my phone and I know a lot of people are. So this is how to break our phone addiction. Um, I've done a lot of this. I've incorporated a lot of this into my life and I've been able to get my screen down. I've been able to get my screen time down uh, significantly since incorporating these steps. So look out for that at the end of January. Yeah. Next thing, Andy. Yeah, and then last but not least, something that we are very excited about is uh, a partnership with Element. I think the name of the company is technically Elemental Labs, but the product is Element, and it's an electrolyte drink mix. And it was founded by Rob Wolf, who, if you you've done any reading um, in the, about the paleo diet or the paleo industry, he was kind of the guy that modernized it. I would say. Um, he wrote the book called uh, Wired to Eat. That was written in 2017. What was his first book? Uh, the Paleo Solution. Paleo Solution. Yeah. And then he just came out with a book that he co-wrote with Diana Rogers called Sacred Cow. Um, it's all about uh, meat, the environment, health. Um, he actually, I don't know if you knew this, but he started the very first CrossFit affiliate gym in the hmm. United States. Interesting. First Not and fourth. That. So yeah, he's... Uh, He's a cool guy. We, we enjoy his podcast and his content. We learn a lot from him. And so he started this company when he found really a, a lack of good electrolyte drinks out there. Most of them are crap, filled with sugar. They don't actually have that many electrolytes in them. And so he created this drink mix. We're, we're going to talk about it in a little more detail. But uh, yeah, yeah, basically, you can get their product through us. So we'll have a web page where you can shop and look at um, some of the electrolyte drink mixes. And um, when that is up and running, we'll let you know, and you can purchase Element through there. It's a pretty awesome product. We're really excited about this, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, we actually mentioned this product like uh, months ago when we did an episode on on sports drinks. We talked about uh, basically, you know, what sport drinks are good, what which ones are worth drinking, and which ones are crap. Element was one that we considered to be a good drink. It was one of the very few that we actually even recommended. I think the ones we recommended in that episode were noon, noon tablets, fit aid, just coconut water and an element were the four clean, uh, sports drinks that we recommended. Uh, and little did we know that, you know, months later we would be partnering up with one of those. So great company, great product. And, um, we, we kind of want to dive deeper into that because what's unique about this product compared to the other four is the the amount of electrolytes in it so your average like sports drink a, a gatorade even like a noon tablet they you know noon is no question better than gatorade but 
um, when you look at their electrolyte content, it has, um, most of them have more sodium than the others because we, our body uses up sodium as the primary, primary electrolyte. But if you look at like the electrolytes in a Gatorade or, or in a noon tablet, Gatorade has like 250 grams of sodium. A noon tablet has around 300 grams, milligrams of sodium. An element packet has 1000 milligrams of sodium. Um, and that might sound alarming because we are told um, by general, uh, you know, the American Heart Association, yeah. CDC, I mean, general, not your doctor, probably the general recommendation has been limit sodium. Yeah, you've, you've always heard sodium is bad. You see on on packaging in stores, like lo, there's always a low sodium version. So we have this preconceived um, idea that sodium is bad for us. And sodium is often used interchangeably with salt um, and Sodium is in salt, but they're not really the same thing. Salt is sodium chloride, and it, it's made up of about 40% sodium. The other 60% is chloride. So 1,000 milligrams of salt is like 400 milligrams of sodium. So that's yeah. kind of how, how those two relate. Uh, we primarily get sodium from the food that we eat. Right. And I guess just to back up here, if you guys want a little bit, um, I guess a better of context for this episode, like listen to that sports drink episode. We talk about um, specifically, we dive into the details of electrolytes and of sport, like different sports drinks, which ones we recommend, which ones we don't. But in this episode, we wanted to look closer at just one of those electrolytes and, and that being the, the primary electrolyte, which is sodium. So the, I guess, six electrolytes are sodium, potassium, magnesium, chloride, uh, phosphate, and calcium. Most sports drinks only have sodium, potassium, and magnesium because that's the three that our body uses uses the most up of and the three that need replenished the most. But sodium is kind of the one that sticks out as being potentially dangerous. Um, that's what we're told. We're, we're told to reduce our sodium intake. So we want to answer the question, do we need to uh, watch out with how much sodium we, we consume in a day. Yeah. And like our bodies need electrolytes, our bodies need sodium. And I don't think any generic recommendations are saying that we don't need sodium. It's, it's very well understood that our bodies use this, uh, like electrolytes are literally, literally an electrical charge, um, that our bodies use to function. It's one of the key resources we need to survive helps with nerve function uh, neurons need electrolytes to communicate, helps with muscle contraction, uh, which is why if you've ever been like on a long run and you've experienced muscle cramps or spasms, it's likely due to deficient electrolytes. So no question at all that we need it. The real question or the debate around is how much is too much? Yeah. And what's the, uh, what's the current recommendation, the, the dietary recommendation intake? It's 20, is it 2,300 milligrams? Yeah, 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day, but with an ideal limit of 1,500 milligrams per day. So how that translates into like table salt, that would be 5.75 grams of salt, which is about one teaspoon. Yeah, so one, one teaspoon is basically your, is the recommended dietary intake for an entire day, um, which is not that much. And also uh, something to take note of is that that's just normal table salt. That's, so that's like your, your Morton's white table salt. Um, Himalayan pink salt is a very popular alternative now, which is better because it has more of the other minerals in it 
white salt, a lot of that, those minerals are removed through the uh, process to create it. But Himalayan salt actually has less sodium in it because it is, uh, it's more, it's bigger particles. So there's more air throughout and it's more, it has other minerals in it as well, not just sodium chloride. So Himalayan salt actually has around 1700 milligrams in the teaspoon compared to 2300 of mm. table salt. Okay. Um, just an FYI there. So, um, how much do we really need? Yeah, that's the question. And this reminded me of our research on cholesterol. Yeah. Where the, how these initial recommendations were developed was, was based on the research at the time. And I think a lot of organizations or, you know, health practitioners are, are slow to slow to change the recommendation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but more recent data has come out that is indicating that maybe, you know, sodium isn't, uh, the, the villain that we thought it was. Mm -hmm. And my big takeaway from a lot of this, and we will get into a, a couple studies here is that context is really important. Similar with cholesterol. It's really, you can't just apply a blanket statement to everyone. Like, Hey, you need 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day, ideally 1500. Well, what if there's an endurance athlete or somebody right. that just sweats excessively or people have chronic conditions where they lose a lot of fluids, they need way more sodium because they're losing a lot more. Yeah. So I think it's all about context here. What, like, what did you find in some of your research? So I, I the, the one study that I really wanted to touch on, and I'm not going to get into the details of this. I just want to look at, look at a, a broad overview of it, but there's something called the dash diet. Have you heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically a diet. Um, the whole idea is to use this diet to reduce blood pressure is the purpose of it. And they did trials around the DASH diet to um, see how the DASH diet compared to the standard American diet, essentially. Uh, what the DASH diet is, it is um, it emphasizes fruits, vegetables, low-fat dairy foods, whole grains, poultry, fish, and nuts. So it, it does avoid fats, um, and red meat. But other than that, it is, it is whole foods. So it, it is a good diet. It'd be nice if it included red meat and fats, but it overall it's, it's a whole foods diet. So it, it is a healthy diet. So in the, in the study here, this is the early two thousands, late nineties. And it was a, a convincing study that kind of helped, or I guess it, it was one that made the claims that salt was, was not good for you. But they compared people on the DASH diet to people on a standard American diet. And each within each, there are three tiers. So there was a DASH diet of high sodium, moderate sodium, low sodium. Then there was a, a group of standard American diet, high sodium, moderate sodium, low sodium. So essentially six groups. And they had them on these diets for 30 days each. And what they the results is that in both groups there was a reduction in blood pressure for for the three groups of high moderate and low with blood pressure lowering for each group the lower the sodium you had the more your blood pressure dropped but the dash diet as a whole resulted in significantly lower blood pressure for all three groups compared to the standard american diet so the people mm. on the DASH diet, even the people with high sodium intakes, that what their blood pressure was equivalent or less than the standard American diet with low sodium. 
Wow. Okay. So, so again, context matters. Right. Right. Uh, if you're eating that salt in the form of fast food, obviously that's going to impact your blood pressure negatively. Where if you're just adding salt to your vegetables, like maybe it's not going to have the impact on blood pressure. So it doesn't seem like uh, sodium may necessarily be be the problem there. Yeah. And unfortunately, kind of what they what they concluded from this was salt causes high blood pressure and everybody needs to reduce their intake. And yes, the the results did show that that if you reduce salt intake, your blood pressure will decrease. But should that really be like the narrative of this study that salt is the is the dangerous thing here? It's it's not salt. It's it's the diet. Like yeah. everybody, everybody who was on that DASH diet had a healthy level of blood pressure. They did not need to lower their blood pressure. It, now, it did, it, mm -hmm. it did decrease slightly as they lowered their sodium intake. Mm -hmm. But everybody on the DASH diet had healthy blood pressure. Yeah. So that's really the main thing at play here is eating whole foods versus eating processed foods. Yeah, I think there's a lot of variability here. I think there's a few reasons that, that make studying salt in particular so difficult. I found two observational studies. These weren't randomized controlled trials and they were looking at data. There's a 2011 one and they basically found that how sodium related to blood pressure was a J-shaped curve, meaning you actually have an increase in blood pressure below a certain amount. I think in this one, they found that blood pressure increased at sodium less than uh, 3000 milligrams. Remember the American Heart Association says 2300 ideally 1500. This study found people that had sodium intake less than 3000 actually had an increased blood pressure. And then it, their blood pressure was minimized or at the, the lowest point between four to 6000 milligrams of sodium per day. And then it went up drastically after 7000 milligrams. So it was a okay. J shaped curve. And then I found a 2000 study, um, 2017 study that well, found the same that, thing. Sorry, the one you just mentioned. Do you do you know what year that was? That was released in 2011. Okay, uh, and, and it was based on data between 2001 and 2008. Okay, and then there's a uh, 2017 study that was looking at a 16 year period of 2,600 people found the same thing, a J shaped curve. And so what the uh, the researcher there said, uh, she said there is likely a subset of people who are sensitive to salt, who would benefit from lowering sodium intake, but more research is needed to develop easier methods to screen for salt sensitivity. One study I found, it was actually one, I think it was one of these two, was talking about why are there so many conflicting studies on sodium? Because, I mean, there have been observational studies that have found the opposite, that mm -hmm. have found basically a straight linear curve with, uh, with sodium intake. So sodium intake increases, blood pressure increases. And, you know, they said one problem is measurement error. There are various ways to measure sodium intake. Some are more difficult than others. And then one thing that they mentioned is something called reverse causation. So basically, like people who have hypertension or high blood pressure are more likely to eat more. I mean, that's kind of why they have blood pressure issues is they, they eat a lot, likely more junk food. So they will naturally be higher in sodium anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and we actually inadvertently tested this whole thing firsthand when we did our carnivore experiment, because we, we got, we had blood pressure, uh, machines, I guess is what you want to call them. Like we, we tested our own blood pressure daily. We did this before the carnivore diet. So we, we did, we did a carnivore diet where we ate only meat for 30 days. 
which is very high fat and very high sodium and it's red meat. We basically ate exclusively red meat and eggs for 30 days. But and I, I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I I put a lot of salt. I used a oh, lot of salt. So I this I added it up how much salt I had. And I was okay. being very, very conservative with this to just to show how much salt I was having. But because I typically have eggs and bacon in the morning, um, lunch was uh, some type of ground beef hash and then dinner was like a steak. So very conservatively, I had over 5,200 milligrams of sodium a day. The recommendation is 2,300. So, yeah. And that was conservative. So we had, no, that's more than double 46. Yeah. Way more than double the recommendation. And we did this for 30 days. The same, same as the dash diet trial. Their trial was 30 days. We did this for yep. 30 days. We took our blood pressure before doing this diet on our normal diet, which is a healthy diet. Um, we eat mainly whole foods. And then we took our blood pressure during this whole experiment and we had no change in our blood pressure, like the 30 or the leading up to this diet and the 30 days throughout the whole time, our blood pressure stayed consistent, even though our sodium skyrocketed for 30 days straight. And we weren't working out a ton. Like this was in October. So it wasn't like it was super high. It wasn't as if we were sweating a bunch. Like I, that month I wasn't working out an enormous amount. So I don't think we were losing a lot through sweat. No. Yeah. We actually mentioned that in the episode, both of us just, uh, we were busier that month. It took a lot of time to cook every meal. So I think both of us worked out less that month than normal. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, that was fascinating to, to look at our own data on that, to see, um, how much sodium we took a day and it did not impact our blood pressure. Yeah. So my takeaway from all this kind of putting, putting a bow on the science behind this is that it's all about context. Like with anything in health, I think for this, it, it depends on the health of the underlying population under unhealthy people may be more sensitive to sodium, or they may be getting their sodium from an unhealthy source like fast food. And then, you know, the one study, the researcher indicated there could be genes or medications that increase sensitivity to sodium. I think it depends on the level of activity of the population. So if you're very active, you sweat more, you need a higher intake of electrolytes. That's just fact. I mean, you lose electrolytes through sweat, through you know, like healthy people that are, are doing fasting. Uh, you, you can lose some through there. Uh, if you go into ketosis, when you go on a low-carb diet, you your body produces less insulin because you're eating less carbs. And the drop in insulin can cause the kidneys to release water and and then the electrolytes are released through the urine production. So if you're somebody that's in ketosis, well, you're probably going to need to supplement more with electrolytes. So that 2300 is just, you just can't apply that to everyone. And that recommendation, that is not for athletes and nobody would argue against that athletes certainly need more. Like that is, that is not up for debate. That is widely known and accepted that even if 2300, like 2300 is a standard for your average person, for athletes, anybody who is working out, especially if you're doing endurance athlete stuff, or if you're, you know, biking, running, CrossFit, um, if you're doing this in the summer where you're sweating a lot, like there's no question that you need to replenish that salt. And uh, just for a little bit of context of when you sweat, how much you lose the reason sodium is for element, like the number one electrolyte, like the reason they have a thousand milligrams of salt, um, I think so they have a yeah, thousand milligrams of salt, 
300 milligrams of potassium. Two, it's uh, 200 milligrams of potassium. Okay. So 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. That's elements uh, electrolyte ratio in the powder. Our sweat, like when we sweat, we lose electrolytes. It, 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 we lose it through our sweat. And our ratio of what we lose through our sweat is almost exactly what they have in that drink. We lose 81% of like 81% of our sweat is sodium, 18% uh, potassium, and the rest is cal calcium and magnesium, aside from the, the water, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what we sweat out, that ratio is exactly what is in this element drink. And that's what makes us so unique. Um, there's no other drink like noon or fit aid, like they don't have that level of sodium in it. So that, that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was specifically designed to replenish your electrolytes and yeah. they replenish it in basically in the ratios that you deplete it. Right. So it's, it's really awesome. And it doesn't have, there's no sugars in it. I was looking at this morning, Gatorade, just a uh, normal jug of Gatorade, 48 grams of sugar. Powerade That's is 53. Um, and most of these don't have that much like the sodium. And I think you had mentioned it, like Gatorade and Powerade are like between three and 400. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, we're like, this is the reason that we actually decided to move forward with a partnership with element. Uh, we've been approached by other companies, but we didn't want to promote something that we couldn't get behind. And uh, element is a company we can get behind. Like, like I said, no sugars. It's basically just sodium, potassium, magnesium. Now, there are uh, natural flavors. Now, we've we've been pretty harsh and critical of natural flavors in the past. And the thing is that with natural flavors, why we're, we've been so critical of them is that you don't know what's in it. They, you know, it may be fruit extract, but a lot of times they add these synthetic solvents, these artificial preserves, preservatives that get added to the natural flavors, and those don't have to be disclosed. So he said, like, what are in your natural flavors? Because we that's kind of vague. And they said our natural flavors are purely fruit extract. Yeah. So there's no synthetic solvents, no carriers, emulsifiers, artificial preservatives. So yeah, that's another reason that we could get behind it. Now, if you really just don't even want to deal with any kind of flavors, they have a raw flavor that is literally just sodium, potassium, magnesium in those ratios, a little packet mm -hmm. you can put in coffee, water, whatever. But the flavors are really good. They have some citrus. They have a citrus, like an orange, raspberry. And then they have some like spicy flavors. Like they have a mango chili, a lemon habanero, and then they have a chocolate salt. Really interesting. But uh, um, yeah, my, my favorite is probably the citrus salt. Yeah, I think oranges. I like orange and citrus are both probably my go-to. But um, going back to what you said about about the the raw flavor the unflavored one so what else they have on their website is they actually will give you their like uh, the recipe if if you don't want to this is what i really appreciate about this company it, even if you don't want to buy their product if you don't have the money to spend on it they give you like their recipe of how to make this at home and you can mm -hmm. find it literally on their website so they're, they're giving you the resource to make this by yourself if you can't afford to buy it by their product so yeah i love that yeah, that's awesome. If you uh, if you want like a, a cheap electrolyte, make your own at home. They also have that uh, resource on their website. Yeah, and it also mixes really well with water. There are no chunks yeah. at all. Like cold water, I mix it with cold ice water, and mm -hmm. it dissolves like immediately. Yeah, that's the one. So noon is is what I uh, use like all of last summer. I still drink Fit Aid. I love Fit Aid, and I'll I'll continue to drink Fit Aid still. No no problem there, but. 
Um, noon, the, the one problem I had with noon tablets was that you could just never get it to fully mix in. Like even if you sit, sat and let it dissolve, there'd always be some re residual stuff like that would fall to the bottom. This is a real, like you, you don't even need like a, a blender bottle mixer. Like if you just put ice in there, mix it up, it's like it all dissolves completely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really good. And you can make like mocktails. Like I've been experimenting by mixing with like different like spritzers and stuff. You can make some really, really good drinks. And I, I don't know, you know, about you, but I, I started taking this like uh, I actually got some for Christmas and then they sent us a bunch. Um, but I started taking like probably a week before Christmas and then and I actually took a week off working out and Katie and I have been doing insanity which is pretty intense and normally if you take a week off that it's gonna hurt when you come back so the first three days back working out like i felt amazing I, like better than normal even after a week off now it could have mm -hmm. been because i rested and i slept more and i recovered that that probably had something to do with it but one thing i noticed is that um my calves and feet didn't cramp up saying insanity is a lot of like jumping and like there's like jumping jacks and like mm -hmm. you know stay in place sprints you know things that kind of work your your feet and your calves and and I typically get like a little cramping during those. Didn't have any of that. Hmm. Interesting. And it actually like gave me a little, I don't know. I took it probably an hour before my workout and I feel like I had a little, little boost. A little, a little bit left boost. in the tank. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, in the summer, I like, I desperately need electrolytes in the summer. I like, I mentioned this before I work out in the garage. You do too. And in Midwestern, uh, summers in a garage, it is, it is hot in there and you sweat a ton. Even in the winter, I, I still sweat out there, so I still take these um, in the winter. But uh, I definitely need them in the summer, and I notice a huge difference when I um, when I take electrolytes and when I don't. So, yeah, yeah. well, uh, like we said at the beginning, we will let you know um, when our page is up and running, and we'll post that to our Instagram. That way, you guys can check this out and try some flavors for yourself. Um, I think you're gonna love it. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't want this episode to be like a, a giant uh, ad, but like we really do <laughs> believe in this company um, and it's worked well for us. I mean, we need electrolytes and I think it's often the electrolytes are, are consumed from a bad source or they're not consumed in high enough quantities. Yeah, yeah. Even, uh, if, even if you don't decide to use this product, just like don't drink Gatorade, don't drink Powerade or uh, what's the other one? Body, I love body armor. I... That's, uh, it tastes so good, but it's so bad. It's just filled with, with junk. It does not have very many electrolytes in it. So, right. you know, in the end, just, just don't drink those crappy, uh, sports drinks, stick to the healthy ones like element noon is still good. Fit eight is good. Um, yeah, that's, that's the moral of the story here is, is your electrolyte source. Make sure it's, it's clean. Yeah. And this will be great for my upcoming fast. I'm doing my annual five day fast starting well, today, I guess when this episode releases, um, I'll go Monday to Friday. If anybody is interested in joining, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome to join, but, uh, that'll be, uh, that'll be a fun time. And I, that's, that's one of the hard parts about fasting is, uh, when you go into ketosis, you know, you lose electrolytes and you're not getting it from your food since you're not eating. So you have to, you have to consume electrolytes. So do you drink I guess, yeah, you could get the raw. So would you get like the raw ones and, and drink just like the sodium, potassium, magnesium mix? I probably should. Technically, natural flavors would probably break my fast. So I probably should get some raw, mm. raw version. Yeah. 
All right. I think that is it for this episode. Uh, if you guys haven't already, subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, like we said, we have our email coming out with article. Our blog post will be at the end of this month. So look out for that. We also have like just weekly updates on our on our about our podcast, about our each episode. Um, also, we'd really appreciate if you guys would rate us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram. We post some uh, some fun stuff on there. And I think that is all. Thank you for listening.